The gospel which this message is based off of is John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man's sin or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see now? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man... We don't know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you'd teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, 
and having found him, said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Bartimaeus answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, when you show us your strength, when we hear your word, open our eyes to see and soften our hearts to believe. Amen. Amen. So today's text, if you read it in the mind and the world of the original hearers, it's in the context of the world that they lived in. It's pretty scary if you think about it. We hear that the parents of the man born blind, called in another uh, gospel, the uh, Bartimaeus, they are too afraid to stand up for their son because they fear being thrown out of the synagogue. Their chief meeting place, the synagogue, this was the center of their social and devotional life. And if they were to reveal that they believed that Jesus had healed their son, that they might be followers of Jesus, they might be thrown out, cast out. Yet today, us Christians, more specifically you Christians that are watching from home, we're experiencing just that. You are being put out of the synagogue in a certain respect. This chief place of meeting your community young and old, the place that you giggle with your friends, the place that you sip coffee and you learn intently good teaching from pastor, the place where you come into communion with your Lord. Put out, stay at home order. First of all, it is good that we're doing this, I suppose. We need to obey our authorities as well as care for the health of those who are vulnerable, but it's also very sad, right? Because we want to receive our Lord in a very physical way in the sacrament and worship him as a community. Yet through this camera, through these, through the wires, his word finds a way into your home, into your ears, into your hearts and minds. His word is what feeds your faith, and he is the word become flesh. This is one of the ways that he dwells with you even today. In the text today, we, to a certain extent, can understand where the Pharisees were coming from and where Bartimaeus' parents were coming from. When something seems too good to be true, we are trained by the world that we live in as well as our consciences, to be wary of trusting. The first thing I thought of was Ronald Reagan when he quoted a famous Russian proverb, trust but verify. This is the reality of living in a sinful world. 
Make sure that you're not taken for a fool, especially when you suspect the other person might be your enemy. So word had gotten around town that the resident man who was born blind, his name was Bartimaeus, he can now see. So first they had to check that it was actually him. So they took out their measuring tape, their poking and prodding Bartimaeus. They were asking their friends, the neighbors, the family, see if this was actually him. I mean, as late as the American Wild West, you could rob a bank, skip town, catch a train, go to the next town over, and live as the bartender you sort of looked like for the rest of your days, and no one would know. So let's make sure this is Bartimaeus. But the problem is, throughout all of this, Bartimaeus was testifying as to what he saw. But no one believed him. They were talking over him. They were disregarding his answers to their questions. Something that would drive everyone out there nuts. But that's because they looked down on him. Surely someone with a disability was born in sin. Something that we know and regard to be blatantly false today. But Bartimaeus screeches it all to a halt. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I am the man. This is where he gives out the details that they've been waiting for. This man, Jesus, he spat on the ground. He mixed it with the dirt. And then he put this mud on Bartimaeus' eyes. Then he told him to go and wash at the pool of Siloam. And when he washed, when he purified, he can now see. Wonderful. Right? Not for the Pharisees. Not for mom and dad, supposedly. Missing the forest through the trees, they were more upset about Jesus needing the mud and healing, so mending on the Sabbath day, than they were happy about this man's sight being given to him. It turns out the Pharisees got so upset about this that it made it into the Talmud. I looked it up in the Sanhedrin, added making mud out of your spit to the list of things that you could get cursed for, as well as speaking healing words over a wound, so therefore all of, most of Jesus' healing ministry. So the man continues, he starts deducing who this guy is who healed him. He's very logical in his uh, approach. He says, one, unique powers of healing. Two, he must come from God because he can do this, which if you remember from a few weeks ago in John 3, this is what Nicodemus uh, had said. And so three, therefore, he must be a prophet. We also learn that since his sight being given to him, he's now a disciple or follower of Jesus. So all of the above, it's rubbing the Pharisees, Bartimaeus' parents, other onlookers, it's rubbing them the wrong way. Why is he saying these things about a sinner? Someone who dares need mud on the Sabbath. Someone who dares heal on the Sabbath. If you... If you can remember, these things aren't actually sins. These are rules made up outside of Scripture. They're rules of man, not of God. 
Therefore, it makes a lot of sense when the Pharisees say, you're a disciple of that man, but we are disciples of Moses. They are truly disciples of man. These, those desiring to follow rules and laws to seek salvation and appease God, typical disciples of man. They think that he is not a prophet or from God because of this Deuteronomy passage that talks about how even wonder workers one day might be a test from God. That's because they're interpreting Jesus as trying to steer people away from the Father who is in heaven. But that's why Jesus is constantly, throughout the gospel, pointing to the Father who sent him in heaven and giving glory to him. So, caught in the crossfire of all of this is that 800-pound gorilla in the room. If you do these things, which the Pharisees are accusing in Bartimaeus of, then you are to be thrown out of the synagogue. We know from, again, the Talmud that there were three levels of excommunication uh, in Jesus' day. The first one was a day ban. The next one was a week long, so you couldn't go to temple that week. And then third, being cut off entirely from Jewish worship and contact with all your friends and uh, Jewish family in the Jewish community. So this last one was the kind of isolation faced by our early Christian brothers and sisters. Because and, John tells us that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. So the Pharisees, mom and dad, they're having a tough time with Bartimaeus' logic. No matter how many times he explained it to them, the whole process with the mud and the washing and the spit, they simply didn't get it. I feel like we can see this similar phenomena happening in the world today. There's so much to worry about right now. There are so many synagogues to be thrown out of. If you continue, to, if you continue the faith of your parents that they passed on to you, and you're vocal about it, will you be seen as some sort of Jesus freak? If I press the importance of faith in our marriage, will he or she, will they want a divorce? A close friend of mine, an engineer, he wears his emotions and his thoughts on his sleeve whenever he's excited about something. He's talking about it. He's telling everyone about it. But he's fearful about being excited of his faith at work because he's afraid people will look down on him as less intelligent or weaker than them. Even when we bring up these topics, the topic of Christ, others just don't seem to get it. We explain, well, I'm still going to church because worship is important to me. I, I really want to go and worship my Lord. I want to receive the sacraments, even though it's not the most hygienic thing to do right now. And then we Google frantically, in a worst-case scenario, the logical defenses of the existence of God in argument, and we're trying to logically defend and prove 
while at the same time we're trying our best to stay in that synagogue of public discussion. But the thing is, even Bartimaeus was not getting it either. Even though his eyes were opened by Jesus, he still could not see who the Son of Man was. He had it down on paper, right? One, unique powers. Two, from God. Three, prophet? I don't think so. Jesus has a testimony in the reading that should resonate with us all. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that that he was born blind. But Jesus, he responds, he says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So one could look at the Greek here and translate displayed as revealed or made known in Jesus. Therefore, God is revealing his redemptive plan in history, in truth, in real events, so that many may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. After the Pharisees cast out the man Bartimaeus from the synagogue, Jesus finds him. Jesus confronts Bartimaeus on the question of the Son of Man. Bartimaeus, who upon having his eyes opened by Jesus, seemingly all of those pieces of the puzzle in front of him to put together, to consider, does not know who the Son of Man is. And so, Jesus reveals with his spoken word, as the incarnate word to the man, you have seen him, literally. The Son of Man is he who is speaking to you right now. And here's where the confession arrives. Lord, I believe. The eyes of his heart are finally open, going well past where logic could follow. Where this leads is to how the miracle happened against blind Bartimaeus' will. Jesus healed him without asking. He also opened the eyes of Bartimaeus' heart without asking. And so... He opens the eyes of our hearts without asking. Through his Holy Spirit, by his word, the same word going through this camera and into your hearts and minds. The same words that say, your sins are forgiven after we've confessed in divine services. And together we confessed, homo logeo, as it says in the Greek in the story. Homo means same, logeo means to say. So together we say the same thing to one another and to God. We say back to God what he says to us. We confess our faith in the creed most weeks. And we see how it unites us to one another and to God, even during difficult times like this one. The word pronounced us dead and alive. In Christ Jesus, in our baptisms, a sacrament we are still participating in to this day against the will of our flesh, against the will of our logic. 
And so remember, remembering this, we boldly confess, I am the man, I am the woman, I am the man whom Jesus in my sin chose me and brought me to him as his own. I am the man who Jesus became flesh and revealed the glory of his salvation to. This witness can be a way in which you are the word through your speech and actions to those whom you love and care about, yet do not believe right now. Do not believe yet. The world seems crazy right now, but our testimony of the one who is from God, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, is what we are holding on to. And his promises of life, strength, salvation in our baptisms give us the confidence to continue pointing to him. So that our neighbors who are weary in this stressful time might have hope of eternal life too. Go knowing that it is not your fault if your loved ones aren't convinced right now. The Holy Spirit works as he wills. A popular Reformation motto was from 1 Peter 1.25. It goes like this, The word of the Lord endures forever. The word endured in the trials in the desert. The word became flesh and endured the cross and even death. The word endured the black plague during Luther's time. And the word will continue to endure in you as you self-quarantine and build one another up in conversation by phone and messaging. Hold fast to those promises that you know to be true and drink deeply Christ's words from John. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.